0: Boy, motherfuckers! Welcome to Hindsight. My name is Derek, and as always, I'm joined by the best in the business, Brandon. Brandon, how you doing today?
1: Wonderful. Join us. This movie—it was so good <laughs> to get back to some excellent, excellent movies. I appreciate it greatly. Dude, stop whining. <laughs> You—you watched Major League Two
0: and and Little Giants. That was the work. No, no, I take that back. The program was the worst of the bunch. But come on now, it wasn't that bad. But you're right. This is like the fucking. It was, it was, okay, it was pretty bad.
1: No, I'm saying you're right. It wasn't
0: that bad. But I agree with you. No, but you're right. It was pretty bad. No, I'm serious. Like, I, I won't even debate it anymore. I thought thought about it, and you're right. Um, but we're also joined by the homie Jarman. For those of y'all who don't know who Jarman is, first of all, shame on y'all. He's like the purveyor of the greatest uh, playlist in Spotify history. Uh, and secondly, he's the homie. And third of all, he's Shantae's brother from Single Simulcast. So pay homage, motherfuckers. Jarman. <laughs> yeah. Jarman, how you doing?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, sad about the Knicks. So mm, poor. That's what. Don't. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Jer- I don't understand
0: Jeremy- how being a Knicks fan works. I don't, told- I don't. I don't. I don't get that.
2: Yeah. It's it's hard. It's been a tough. What twenty five years.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, it's just I remember when Julius Randle
0: played for the Lakers and he sucked.
1: That's worse than being a Clippers fan. Oh, can
2: see. Huh.
0: It's well, it's almost akin to being a Kings fan, but at least we like had a bit of success there for a while.
2: Yeah, twenty we years had, ago. We had we got two NBA finals in the past what twenty-five years.
0: Yeah, that's more than I could say. Go, go monarchs. Also, I don't like the Kings. I'm sorry. <laughs> I made it sound like I'm a Kings fan. I'm not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, goddamn. So today we are gathered here. To talk, this is the month that y'all will probably hear three things. One, me fanboying. Two, Brandon actually happy about a movie at the same time that I'm happy about a movie. And three, us discussing just how many times, how many times is it really appropriate for a white guy to say the word nigger in a movie? Because it's Quentin Tarantino month. And to start it off, we're kicking it off with a movie that's literally the best movie. If I had a top ten list, I would say that this is top two. And y'all are going to get mad when I say this. Uh, Top three. No, top two. And it's top two. When I say what the other one is in this top two listing, that's when I'll probably lose some of my credibility with y'all. And I don't give a fuck. It's top two between this and The Crow. I can see it. We're talking about Kill Bill. <laughs> well, everybody should see it. The Crow is dope, too. Yeah, I can, <laughs> it's, I can, it's dope in a different way. I
2: can
1: see it. Kill Bill, I'll but, say this. Kill Bill is... You know, in 2021, if you go on the Twitter machine, you hear a lot of hot takes about Tarantino. And some justify it. But when you watch this movie... You see why people get up for Tarantino films. <laughs> and the one thing you can say about him mm-hmm. is that he has his own style. There is no director like Tarantino. When you see a Tarantino film, you know him. You don't even have to know that it's him. You don't have to have the overglossing, the the arrogant Quentin Tarantino for film when the film opens. To know that it's a Quentin Tarantino film. We all know, buddy. We all know.
0: And I think that this movie may be the most visually sumptuous movie I've ever seen. Like as far as just a visual smorgasbord. This movie hasn't. Whether you're looking for blood, it's got that. Whether you're looking for just the beauty in the backgrounds and in the scenes and in just the way that things are portrayed, it's got everything you can need. Like this could be a, a cinematographer student's dream movie to watch. And yet, Jarman, when was the first but, time you saw Kill Bill and uh, what'd you think?
2: Oh, uh, it was, I think it was opening weekend. I was in Jersey and I, at that point in time, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I was always, Mm -hmm. I was in love with the cinematography of it, how it jumps from the black and white in the beginning and then jumps into the cartoon telling the origin of Oda and Ishii. And then the, uh, then it goes back into the black and white during the uh, crazy 88 fight. Like i I enjoyed it, especially the opening song by Nancy Sinatra, which sets sets the tone.
0: 100%. Bang, bang. Brandon, when was the first time you saw it, and what were your thoughts? So that's an interesting question.
1: The first time I saw this movie from beginning to end credits in one sitting is today. I have seen this movie. whoa I've seen this movie 30 40 times I just never I always catch it on TV and so whenever it's on TV I watch it but you know it's you know when you just scroll through the channels and you click on it it may not be the start of the film so I always catch it 10 minutes in or 15 minutes in or 30 minutes in or I'll catch the last 45 minutes or something like that and I every time I see it on TV I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm watching Kill Bill. This is my shit. But I've, but because I've seen all the parts of the movie, I've never, I've never sat down and just like, okay, I'm putting this in a DVD player and watching Kill Bill from start to finish, even though I know all the parts of the movie. So that's a trick question for me.
0: Okay, so let me say first and foremost, that so before I did this show, I asked my wife, my beloved wife, Nisha, if she thought I was a good father. And she said yes. I want y'all to know that before I tell y'all what my first time was watching this movie back in 2003. There's a big difference between me now, Derek now, and Derek in 2003. And it's important that y'all hear that before I tell y'all about the first time I saw this movie. My daughter's name is Isabella. Her nickname is Gogo. Her nickname is Gogo because she was my eldest born child and she was my right hand. She's always been. So I named her Gogo. You can't give your child the nickname Gogo if you're not seeing this movie the first weekend it fucking comes out in October. I wasn't going to miss this movie when it came out in October. Hell, high water, or one month, one year, two-month-old daughter was not going to stop me from seeing Kill Bill Volume 1. So I and Gogo and her mom went to see Kill Bill Volume 1. This wasn't a 4 o'clock showing of the movie. This wasn't the noon showing of the movie. We went to the 7 o'clock showing of Kill Bill and plopped our asses down like we knew we belonged there with the one-year, two-month-old baby. To her credit, she didn't cry. Thumbs up for that. She did not cry. How old was she again? Until... One why you why you keep making me say this? One year, two months old. Oh, that's cool. She was know, fourteen you know, months you know, old. Uh, no, but but when it got to right after the uh, Over E assassination anime scene, mm-hmm. she awoke. She was asleep the whole time. We were good, and then she woke up and she got fussy. She got hungry, started crying, cool. and her mom was breastfeeding. Her mom was breastfeeding, um, and so okay, so I was a good, I'm a good father, yes, I've gotten better. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm a, good, a good person, but I've gotten much better because at the point when her mom started breastfeeding or her she started crying for breastfeeding, I turned to her mom and said, She's hungry. Why don't y'all just go ahead and drive on home? and I'll catch a cab." And so Bella and her mom got up and walked out the theater, or Bella's mom and Bella got up and walked out the theater so she could feed Bella. And I sat there looking like eyes and mouth agape, didn't even really notice they were gone, and watched the rest of Kill Bill Volume 1 with the biggest grin on my face. And I still regret nothing.
1: Excellent, Father. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure when you got out the movie, this the movie you made sure they were doing okay. Did they have text
0: and Oh, t- when I movie? got out the movie, I, I made sure that I... Hmm?
1: Did they have text messages in 2003? Was
0: that around? Was that a thing? Yeah. They had taxis, yes. No, but also, messages. I was in walking distance in my house, so I just walked home. No, did they have text uh, messages? I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember if they had text messaging, but I didn't want to talk to her. I just, I just walked back
2: home. It was like 40 cents a message probably at that uh, time.
0: Something like that. And It was after 9 o'clock, so it would have been free, but, you know, whatever. Um, now, watching this movie, though, it's still a great movie. But I have to say, for the record... That this is by far the most magical white woman movie in the history of cinema.
2: I poke I poke holes in it every time I watch it.
0: Oh, I'll post some new holes in it just watching it yesterday and today. You know what it is? Brand new holes.
1: You know what it is? <laughs> she is part of the Lin Quay, like from Mortal Kombat. So like you yeah, know, in Mortal Kombat, right the Lin Quay, what they do is they run around the country and they take kids from all I mean all around the world. So they take kids from all different people around the world, so Americans, Europeans, you know, Asian people, Southeast Asian people, Africans, and they bring them all back to where they are and they train them all under the Lin Kuei's family. That's why you'll see those ninjas of different races and stuff like that cuz they steal them when they're young and they raise them up in that. Mm-hmm. So I just look at this like, oh yeah, this white woman probably got taught when she was, you know, when she was young. And she was just happened to be in this, in this, in this group with people from all different races, and she happened to be the best. That's the that's the way that you look at it objectively. If I want to be uh, objective. Okay. There's Tarantino's link.
0: I'll allow that. I mean, sure. Okay. All right. <laughs> no. Um. I will say in Quentin Tarantino's uh, defense that this is one of only two m- movies where the word "nigger" isn't uttered by anyone.
2: Mm.
0: The other one is "Kill Bill Volume Two
2: But they, st- um, they, st- they, st- they still get colored off.:
0: Oh yeah, yeah got,
2: He gets colored off when he talks about the color th- the colored piano player.
0: Yeah, yeah, the color piano player was definitely, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they had to make sure they got something in there, but to their credit, you know, shout out to them. Um, <laughs> I do want to make sure that I say, fuck Harvey Weinstein, for the record. Where he has something to do with
1: you the know.
2: movie? yeah. It's, oh, it's 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 under his studio, I thought.
0: Yeah, this is a Miramax movie. Wow. Two thousand three. All of, all of Quinn's movies were done through Miramax. Yeah. And so, um, I just want to say that at the beginning of this movie, when Bill is talking to. Beatrice I'm not going to call her the bride over and over again that shit's played cut that out um and he says this is me and my most masochistic for those of y'all who don't know so Beatrice is at a wedding they walk in they the movie opens with Bill talking to a bloodied beaten pregnant woman and he's like do you do you you look real mad right now <laughs> You look mad enough that I could fry an egg on your forehead. To be honest with you, uh, d- do you think I'm mean for doing this to you? Yeah. <laughs> Don't do you do you do you think I'm I'm sadistic for doing this to you? Because I'm not. In fact, this is me and my most masochistic, and I had to look that shit up. Masochistic. The definition of masochistic means enjoying an activity that appears to be painful or tedious. It is painful for him to enact injury to this woman. And we find out later on in the movie that's because she's pregnant with his kid or because he really did love her or whatever it may be. I think Bill's a pimp.
1: So so what you're saying is when I was growing up and would go to the country and I would get the switch from my grandmother, she was masochistic because it was hurting her more than it was hurting me.
0: Yeah. She, no, they, black parents lie when we, when they say that to people. (laughs) It doesn't hurt them at all. They don't care. They'll whoop your ass and then keep walking. And if you don't stop crying, then they'll be like, hey, do you want something to eat? Just keep it pushing. But him, yeah, no, him and acting pain on this woman that he spent so much time with, and you find out in in Kill Bill Volume 2, just how much time they really spent together, he really felt something for her, an affinity. Uh, he felt enough for her to knock her up, um, but the next thing that happens is uh, she, Beatrice, shows up at Vernita Green's address. We don't know how she finds Vernita. Uh,
2: she got. I. I would say she got it from the. Uh, God. What is her name? Sophie. Yes, because she she said she was getting all of the information from her. So she's gonna come Why the out fuck
0: would Sophie from Japan know where Vernita Green was located at?
1: Aren't they all in the same crew? They are. So yeah, they probably
2: know. I would think she I, I would agree. think I would think it came from Sophie.
0: Okay. I'll give y'all that. Um Vernita when she goes to Vernita's house, she she rings the doorbell. What was Vernita? And Vernita and hand? she was the what snake. What snake was she? Cottonmouth? Uh yeah, Copperhead. 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 Jeannie Bell, that's her name. Jeannie Bell comes to the door when uh Beatrice knocks on the door and she thinks that it's Sarah. And she's like, Sarah, are you early? Who the fuck is Sarah? Sarah never showed up in this entire scene ever. <laughs> Sarah could have helped out. Sarah could have done something. <laughs> But technically, uh, yeah, Sarah would have just witnessed a murder because what happens is that Beatrice comes in and they start fighting immediately that that good old uh, iron uh, whatever iron heart that's a transformer. whatever the music starts playing in the background and they start fighting knife style just They fucking up the living room. Uh Vernita's throwing fucking bookshelves onto Bert and onto Beatrice. Um she's hitting her with uh with fire place pokers and all that kind of shit. She's getting choked out. Uh Beatrice puts her into a fucking sleeper hole. So I think that it was really nice for Beatrice to stop fighting Vernita long enough for Vernita to lie to Nikki, her four-year-old daughter, who gets off the school bus and walks in is like, what the fuck happened to the front room? And Vernita's like, that dog of yours came in here and made acted a damn fool. And Nikki's looking around like, you're bleeding, she's bleeding, there's glass all over the place, and you're blaming my dog on this
2: one, huh? And we never hear the dog bark or anything.
0: At all. We don't see the dog and we don't see Sarah. (laughs) I want to see Sarah in Kill Bill Part 3. Um... Vernita told Nikki to go to her room and not come out until she told her to come out. That's how confident she was that she was about to kill Beatrice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. And then after that, it's like, yo, I just tried to stab you over and over again. That shit made me thirsty. Do you want some coffee? That was Look, yeah right Because if we just spent all this time Trying to murk one another The least you can do is offer me some Sunny D or something You ain't going to give me no hot ass Instant Folgers bullshit You're going to give me a green apple Gatorade or something Please 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 So They go into the kitchen And uh, they're talking about how Jeannie Green aka Vernita, Or Jeannie Bell A.K.A. Vernita Green A.K.A. Copperhead um is married to Dr. Green and they have a daughter and they are now living in Pasadena, California. Um she it's also doc, keeps is
2: hmm? Dr. is Dr. Bell.
0: Dr. Bell and Jeannie yeah. Bell, sorry. Um Jeannie uh is Copperhead. Beatrice is Black Mamba. We find out later on that the reason why Beatrice got the codename Black Mamba is because in the course of this movie alone, she about to put up some Kobe numbers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They go into the kitchen. When they go into the kitchen, Vernita could have killed her right then. There's a gun. Vernita keeps guns in her... Vernita, let's be honest. Vernita keeps... Megatron-sized blammers in her daughter's cereal boxes.
2: Did you notice what the name on the cereal was? Fucking Kaboom.
0: (laughs) 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 And so they go in there. She does not stab her. She doesn't try and shoot her as soon as she walks in. She doesn't do any of that. Um, And Vernita's like, hey... Do you want do you still take cream and sugar in your coffee? And like y'all niggas, y'all ain't no real assassins. Assassins don't take cream and sugar. You better drink that shit boiling in black. Burn your throat, make you mad, make you stab the waitress. She says she supposed it's too late for an apology, and then she gets mad at Beatrice when Beatrice is like, Yeah, it is. Well, fuck you, bitch. I entreat you on your on on, on my behalf of my daughter. Beatrice, like, yo, I don't give a fuck about your daughter. I, she was like, well, you seem to have a lot more, uh, that's a lot nicer than what Bill gave you credit for. And Beatrice, like, yeah, niceness, I have no problem with. It's mercy, compassion, and forgiveness that I lack, which is all the shit you need to be a real good, a real good assassin and all the things Bernita needed her to have to convince her to spare her badass acting life Vernita's like I wish we could I, I just there's I wish there was a way we could make this even and Beatrice's like oh you want to make this even for this to be even I'd have to kill you and then go upstairs and kill your daughter and then go kill the good doctor and now make it about square
2: Great callback to Pulp Fiction.
0: Right. I I also want to point out that the doctor's going to die soon anyway because of all those fucking toys on the front lawn. They ain't got no garage that I saw, and he's going to walk up there and trip over the shit and, like, fucking die.
1: So... I love the movies where you know some shit happened before the movie picks up, and everybody's just Mm -hmm. like, you know what happens, but you don't know what happens. But, you know, eventually throughout the story, you pick up what happens. I, I love those type of, mo- that storytelling.
0: Yeah, I would too, except for the fact that the thing that they show in this movie then makes you question a whole bunch of shit. Like, she pulls up in the pussy wagon <laughs> in Pasadena. Later on in the movie, we find out that she was in a coma in Texas. And she oh. got the pussy wagon in Texas. She drove the pussy wagon to the airport after she murdered two people. We're gonna get to all of this. We'll get to all of this. You know what, fuck it. So Vernita's face does not change one iota during this entire scene because she knows she needs to keep her guard up. Meanwhile, Beatrice looks so fucking relaxed. She's making finger boxes in the air and shit. One of these two assassins are not like the other. And Vernita, I got one question for you. What's the procedure when there's an assassin in your house? <laughs>
2: Why? Did, why didn't she get the gun after he slammed the bookcase on her?
0: What's the procedure <laughs> when there's an assassin in your house? Mm-hmm. It
1: has to be something like that. Well, like she, yo, she could talk it out.
0: She said, "Bitch, you can stop." She said, "I entreat you." on behalf of my daughter, and held out the picture, her, And she was like, bitch, you can stop right there. Just because I have no wish to murder you in front of your daughter does not mean that parading her around in front of me will inspire sympathy. Mm-hmm. You and I have unfinished business, and not a goddamn thing you've done in the subsequent four years, including getting knocked up, is going to change that. So, Bernita's like, you know what?
1: She basically, like, I mean, you know, I'm not that cool, but that's not going to save your life, buddy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'll drink your coffee. I mean, fuck it. Why not?
1: A lot of people got kids.
0: Trump got kids. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't going to save your life. So, Bernita comes up with what we find out. I have figured out that the fight scene that Bernita comes up with or the fight scenario that Bernita comes up with is completely fake. She's not planning on any of this shit to happen. When she's like, both of us meet up at a baseball diamond at 2.30 in the morning in all black. You put a black stocking over your hair. Then we're going to have a good old-fashioned knife fight. Bitch, you got a gun in the kaboom box. You ain't planning to do no fucking knife fight. You planning on shooting on sight, which is what she does. She's like, yo, now that we got that all solved and squared away, I need to make cereal for Nikki's snack, I guess. Wide right. She pulls out the blammer-filled cereal box and misses. Like, she has a shot. Beatrice does not know this shot is coming at all. Vernita could have lined this shit up, and she missed by a mile. It was like Buffalo Bill type bat. That's why she was Copperhead. Beatrice picks up the knife and throws a square into the middle of her chest. So, two things happened. One, a black person died first in this movie. Classic. Technically. (laughs) Right? Two, technically, this was the one murder in this entire fucking movie that was in self
1: defense. No. No. That whole scene at the end. complete self-defense it's like 75 verse one <laughs> no it's not in self-defense because
0: at the end of the movie she fucking calls orenishi out she calls for that fight and this one vernita shot first and she counter-attacked that's self-defense so when she goes to jail for all this shit.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, the buck murder the butt murder was like she needed to murder Buck. Yeah. Buck had it coming. <laughs> yeah, but buck-, buck was self-defense too.
0: Buck was a lot of stuff. Self- I'll give you that one. Okay. So after Vernita slides down the wall and everything with a knife in her chest, <laughs> we see that yeah. Nikki is standing right behind or standing in the doorway watching all this happen. Your mama told you not to come out the room, but I understand you heard a gunshot, and you're like, what the fuck is that? I know that wasn't the dog. I know that wasn't my dog. Here's I've heard a... my dog fart. it Don't sound like that.
1: Here's my question. No, keep going. Never mind. It's coming up. Keep going.
0: So, Beatrice turns around and sees Nikki watching her pull the knife out of her mom's chest Beatrice decides that this is the best time in the world for her to turn around and hit four-year-old Nikki <laughs> with a fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin-type promo. <laughs> it was not my intention to do that in front of you. For that, I'm sorry. But you could take my word for it. Your mama had it coming. When you grow up, if you still feel raw about it, I'll be waiting. My Let question. me talk about that. Let me talk about that apology real quick, because I've learned some things since 2003. am <clears throat> i my intention to do this in front of you. That sounds like an apology is coming. She says for that, I'm sorry. And that's the only thing she's sorry for. That's it. Then she says, but the rule is if you say, but it negates anything that happened before that. But your mama had it coming. So let's just read this out. You can, take a, you can take my word for it, Nikki. Your mama had it coming. If you feel raw about it, when you grow up, I'm going to fuck you up too. Oh, hey, uh, you, Nikki, right? Yo, sorry, not sorry about your mom. She told you not to come out of your room, so maybe this will teach you all obey adults. Am I right? Anyways... Me and your mama, we were wild as shit before you came around. And she did some greasy shit to me and thought I forgot or something. But I didn't. Now, if you're feeling froggish, you can either jump now or jump when you get older. I suggest older.
1: (laughs) And I'll be waiting. Here's my question. What is the scenario that you need to prepare to have a gun in a cereal box, nigga, right? What is that scenario? That's my question. Does the does the doctor not eat cereal? What is the scenario where you get a chance to kick the shit, like, like talk shit, and just kick it with the person trying to kill you to the point where you can trick them by shooting through the box of cereal? That's some that's some real like Adam West Batman level planning. You know what, Ray Allen. <laughs>
0: spent months practicing that shot in the corner that he used to beat the heat when he was with the to beat the Spurs when he was with the heat months over and over again shooting falling out of bounds shooting like this shooting like this shoot or shoot
1: homie
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying was that the only box of cereal did she tell the good Dr. Green yo you cannot eat this fucking
2: cereal. I, I don't think. I think he. I, I would think that is the traditional marriage. He does nothing in the kitchen.
0: Yeah. Or he's like Nino Brown described uh, Michelle's wife or Michelle's uh, dad being when the good doctor was doing house calls all around Pasadena. And your mom was housing shit at Woolworth. <laughs> um, But let's look at this. You just left a four-year-old child alone with a dead mom and a hell of a mess to clean up. The good doctor likely won't be home for hours. And I don't know if Nikki knows the number to 911 yet. Therefore, if she doesn't come looking for Beatrice, I'd be very surprised. Elle could have killed her in the hospital, too. That's obvious.
2: But Bill called.
0: Yeah, why Bill didn't allow it? I don't, I don't know. This is, this is like literally all these deaths that happened are, is
2: Bill's fault. But with El, with the with the L story, uh, I think he said she deserves more than that. He still loves her. Yeah. So with him saying, "We're not going to creep in there and kill her like a coward while she's asleep. We want to give her a chance to defend herself."
0: So were you not worried about looking like a coward when you sent all of your deadly Viper assassination squad into a wedding chapel to shoot everybody? Y'all just y'all didn't even say hi. You just came <laughs> to the front door and just started spraying right to left.
2: Yeah, they did shoot. They, they did shoot it up. And, but and then, shoot, but they, and but then
0: they, that nigga, when she's down after they shot it up and then they took turns whooping her ass in a circle.
2: But that's the thing; they didn't ever shoot her. She never got shot until she got shot in the head. They put in hands the, on her. Yes. So they gave like she had a chance to defend herself.
0: And no, time. that's what I'm saying. She the 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 way that it happened in the in the wedding chapel was even worse for Bill because Bill literally waited. That nigga pulled a Hulk Hogan from NWO on her. She waited. He waited until everybody else had beat them up, and then he came and sprayed NWO on her back. <laughs> and you're talking about we we shouldn't take the coward way out, nigga. You tried to shoot her in the head after Orenchi E hit her with a straight textbook jump kick to the face.
2: Yeah, they put hands on her,
0: right? Ooh, you should have just poisoned her. Just, yo, be done with it. Also, also, uh, does no one work on the hospital floor that she's in at, at either point in time?
2: Besides Buck? Besides
0: Buck. Does no one, are there no cameras? When my son was in a the hospital, there was like 20 to 30 nurses, doctors, uh, custodians walking up and down the hallways all fucking day and night you going to tell me nobody sees none of this shit? Nobody saw Buck sexually assaulting her or leading other people into the room to sexually assault her? Nobody came to check up on the other, like, what, four coma war people that were in the room with her? Ever? No. Okay, cool. Cool. So, anyway, the same way... I I crack myself up sometimes the same way. Dr. Strange saw 14,605 scenarios to beat Thanos. And the one that worked involved a lucky ass rat. There are at least 650,000 scenarios for Beatrice never waking up. And the one that did involved a hungry mosquito. She got bit. She sat up and screamed. She gets a flashback of being shot in the head. That's a horrible flashback to have. Uh, she uh, rub, she taps the metal plate in her head. She should never be able to get on flights. Uh, she rubs her stomach, points scene, <laughs> <seen> baby gone. <laughs> she cries over her lost baby. Then she pulls out the first magical thing that she fucking can do. She looks at her, God, she looks at her goddamn poems, and by looking at her poems, she knows that four years have passed. How she knows how to do this shit, we never fucking find out.
2: Uh, yeah, that was always my... I, I need to look it up of how you find years in hands.
0: Right? I'm looking at my hands and I do know I'm 41. <laughs> do they know it's Christmas time at all? Like, what? Um, also, Buck and Pervert X on their way in. So right before they open the door, she just flops back on the bed to faint like she was still comatose. But now all of the sheets... And the bedding are fucked up, and she's sweaty, and her hair is askew, and all that kind of stuff. And Buck and Pervert X are looking right at her. So shouldn't they have noticed that she was moving around enough on the blank on the on the bed for the blankets and used to be askew, or that she has tear stains on her face? You've been doing this to her for four years, Buck. You're looking right at her. Shouldn't he notice that? The heart rate is different, Buck. No, nothing? Okay, cool, cool. Um <laughs> so Buck tells pervert X, yo, it's $75 a fuck. If you want to sexually assault her the right way, here's some uh Vaseline. She's a spitter, don't get mad at her. You can't punch her. Um don't leave You paper. can nut in her all you want. Buck's a piece of shit. Pervert X is a real piece of shit. He's like, You're the hottest uh, piece that I've had all day today, which makes me wonder how many times he's done this shit. But he leans in to kiss her, and she grabs his lip with her teeth and literally rips that motherfucker off. Now, he couldn't have bled out from having his lip bit off that quickly. He probably fainted out of shock. But he's not dead. Which means that's another fucking witness to all of this. And she tries to hop out of the bed and um, get to the door and she collapses because her leg muscles have atrophied. But if her leg muscles have atrophied after four years, and I looked this up just to make sure, all her muscles should have atrophied. That means her back, her neck, her arms. She had enough strength in her arms to drag herself Rambo style across the fucking floor. That shouldn't have been. She had enough power in her arms to kill Buck slamming his head into the door. That shouldn't have happened. Oh. Also, um, why does Buck have, how did he get the job with the tattoos of Buck and Fuck on his, <laughs> on his
2: knuckles?
1: <laughs>
2: it's not a... The way... He's it- <laughs> The just the orderly,
1: do, maybe? This was the first scene that the way they do blood in this film is so hilarious. It's, it's so over the top, man. It's so great, man. I I love when people go way over the top ridiculous with stuff. And this is way know. over the top ridiculous. I so
2: I, I like the go go blood.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was probably the best bet the best one.
2: when she do what you supposed to do in the stomach.
0: So she slices Bill at the Achilles tendon. He falls. She's like, um, where's Bill? And he's like, please stop hitting me. And then she looks at his knuckles and has another flashback where he says, you're as cute as they said you were. Well, my name is Buck, and I like to fuck. And he has a truck, but he didn't mention that part. So, <laughs> so she's like, your name's Buck, right? And you have a truck. Wait, no. And you like the fuck, right? And so she smashes his head in the door so hard he twitches. She then steals his fucking sunglasses. Maybe because of the lights are hurting her eyes. Because she's been in a fucking coma for four years. And she steals his car keys.
2: She stole his fit, too. If she he stole would. his outfit, too. Yeah, she stole mm-hmm. his whole fit.
0: And, um... So the next thing we see is her in a wheelchair, wheeling her way down this hallway where nobody else is. She has blood all over her, uh, all over. There's blood in the room. There's blood on the bed. And she's just pushing. Nobody's like, oh, the coma victim. She's up. She's gone. She wheels her way out to the parking lot. Um, And uh, she looking for a car she looks at the keychain of bucks uh keys and it says pussy wagon (laughs) then she looks up and just by luck the truck is right in front of her and it's big and it's yellow and on the back of it it says pussy wagon so she goes to the pussy wagon she pulls herself into the truck she sits there in the back seat of the truck and she's looking at her toes and she says wiggle your big toe and this shit takes takes 13 hours
2: so there's two dead bodies in a hospital room, she has stolen this man's keys and she's sitting in a truck for 13 hours. And they can't
0: find him for 13 hours.
2: <laughs> Magical way. Nobody,
0: nobody stops to think, you know what? Buck has a truck and he likes to fuck, but that's not important. Buck has a truck that has, I think, um, fuck, what was it? The, Buck ain't shit, y'all. What was what was the shit on his truck? <laughs> pussy wagon. It's pussy wagon. It's a big-ass, yellow F-250 fucking truck. No, fuck that shit. I'm sorry, officer. It's an F-450 truck, and it's sitting in the parking lot. I know that because he plays that stupid-ass hick music every time he comes in. Pop that coochie. No, it's not hick music, but that sounds like something Buck would play, isn't it? Um go find the fucking truck and she's sitting in the back seat for 13 hours wiggle your big toe Oh, wiggle your big toe I just want to say that I sat in my room once for uh, 30 minutes and I said grow six inches grow six inches now whether that meant my my legs or my dick y'all will never know just know I'm still 6'1 and I'm still blessed We'll be back to hindsight after this brief break. Hello, everyone. I'm Carol Ann.
2: And I'm Matt. And we are the hosts of Boost and Confused.
0: Boost and Confused dives into the weird topics that you never knew existed. Join us every Monday to drink and discuss all things unknown, unexpected, otherworldly, and just plain strange. Each week, we will take you on a journey to learn about things like time travel and who John Teeter is.
2: Weird history like the New England Vampire Panic. Conspiracy theories like Katy Perry being John Benet Ramsey? Or aliens. Or the paranormal like ghosts that haunt the White House.
0: Listen to Boost and Confused every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. See you then. Remember those stories you were supposed to read in high school?
2: Oh, Dickens. Poe. (laughs) That's literally all the names I can think of. Did you read them? Obviously I didn't. Let us read them for you. Uh, That sounds dangerous. What does? Reading. (laughs) It might go badly. But that's half the fun. I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler.
0: Check out Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.
2: Campfire Classics is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Listen, like, follow.
0: So no policeman came looking for her. Uh, Nobody came looking for his sunglasses or anything like that. She takes the car after she, she has the flashback about Oren. Well, no, she was there for 13 hours. She has a flashback about Oren Ishii, which is a dope ass anime scene.
2: Great story.
0: Great story. And I remember being so fascinated and so overwhelmed when I initially saw the movie change to that style.
2: It's amazing. Someone, someone, uh, someone when it came out and I asked if they liked that movie, they said I didn't like when it turned into a cartoon.
0: And that's when they lost me. Oh. If I, you say that. <laughs> I was out I'm just you. I'm just warning you if you say that to me. Orenishi E is a Chinese, Japanese, American army brat whose parents were killed by boss Matsumoto when she was a child. She got her chance to kill Matsumoto uh, and get her revenge because he was a pedophile. She killed him and his crew at the age of 11 and then became one of the top female assassins in the world. Uh, Funded by Bill, she became the head of the Tokyo Yakuza and her and her gang, the crazy 88 took over Tokyo. Flashbacks take longer in in ideal than it does in real life. When you have a flashback in your mind, it may feel like it takes like 30 seconds, but it really only took like three. So that means that her story of Oren Ishii took like, I would give it six minutes tops. So in six minutes, she's already convinced her big toe to wiggle. What you going to do with that big fat toe? Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> um and so now she moves on to the rest of the body, which takes 13 hours total. Again, magical white woman shit. She hops out the truck, hops into the front seat of the truck. Nobody's like, hey. <laughs> Keep an eye on that truck, y'all, because we don't know where the keys are. But she he buck has tender windows, so we don't know if somebody's in the back. If somebody comes out the back, just shoot him on sight because she already murdered two people. Well, one person in surgery to get his lip reattached, and he's talking. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets out the truck Gets in the front of the truck Drives to the airport Goes to Okinawa one way And charms Stoney Chiba the god Who is there as Satori Hanzo She charms him so well That he takes her upstairs Because he makes Hitori Hanzo Katana na nanana na 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 <laughs> But he doesn't do them anymore He doesn't Make items to kill anymore. So when she asks for a uh, for Hatori Hanzo, still he doesn't hmm? he doesn't make
2: he doesn't make swords anymore after sma- making a blood oath.
0: Yes, a blood oath that he kept for twenty eight years. He explains to her. He takes her upstairs to the attic where all of his wonderful creations are, and he explains to her how he doesn't make things to kill anymore and hasn't made them for years. Okie dokie. This cat laid his soul out to her about why he doesn't make swords anymore and she said, then give me one of these. He said, these aren't for sale And, and Beatrice chuckled and said, I didn't say sell me one. I said, give me. That's just plucky white woman confidence for your ass.
1: I think, I think he might have appreciated that, he may, that she took the time to learn Japanese. I've been told that people in foreign countries appreciate when Americans don't just show up expecting y'all niggas to know English. <laughs> I think that got on his good side.
0: Yeah, enough for him to break a blood oath of 28 years and make her a killing machine sword. Because Maybe. she's like, well, the last one you made, you gave the bill, and he used that to he didn't even use it for anything. He shot her. <laughs> what? what's your beat you should go to Smith & Wesson <laughs> hey can y'all make me a gun I didn't say I was going to buy it I said give me one because y'all made a uh, a 9mm that Bill used to shoot me and you should feel badly about that so give me a gun
2: but when she brings up Bill like she's, she says uh I don't know the exact wording. I can't remember. I probably do. Uh, but when she, yeah, the wording when she brings up Bill to Arturi Hanzo. What did Hattori, What did Bill do to Arturi Hanzo that made know. him do it? Like, I don't know.
0: story. There, there's nothing. We don't get that backstory at all. She's just like, yo, one of your students was a rat. And so I think you owe me this shit, homie. You're going to see me keep jumping back to the way that I would have said it. (laughs) One of your students shot me, and I didn't appreciate that at all. So I think you owe me something, homie. And that was that. So a month later, the sword is complete. The ceremony is beautiful. That motherfucker said, I can tell you without hesitation that this is my finest work. That's what it is. If it's hella nice. If you're walking through the forest and happen to come across God,
1: God himself will be cut. <laughs> That's such a great line. That is That's a, a gangster-ass line. That is such good screenwriting. That's such a great line, man. If you would happen to me, God
0: himself, on your journey while carrying this sword... God would be cut. And the cool thing about it is the reason why we're not doing sound bites for this movie is because 95% of it, or not nah, 50% of it, is in Japanese. He's saying all this in Japanese. And it's just such a cool. Like, German sister Shante is currently learning Korean. BTS. Yeah, hers is because of BTS. If I <laughs> wanted to learn Japanese, it would have been because of this movie. Uh, yeah so uh, this is actually a pretty short movie when you think about it
2: but to backtrack there's like my there's two of my favorite there's like a favorite line in there where he's talking to, where the uh, where he's talking to this, uh, the chef the second guy mm-hmm. in charge and he's like and he says and then he tells her warm sake and he's like warm sake in the middle of the afternoon but he says it in Japanese I love that line <laughs> he, he's like,
0: if you were, if if you, I should be general by now, and he was like, oh, you want to be general? If you, if you were general, I'd be emperor, and you still go get the warm sake. Do you understand? And, and the back. dude is like, he throws a knife. You know what? That whole metal board, the the magnet board that they had back there for the knives to be on, because it's a sushi shop. That was dope too. As a chef, I went looking for
2: that shit. Yeah, and he's um, like I know, I know and then the guy are. walks past I'm not bald, I shake yeah. my head. You understand? Yeah. You understand? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh the next thing we do is we meet Sophie Fatal, who is another one of Bill's proteges, but doesn't do shit but talk on the phone and model for red apple cigarettes. Uh Gogo Yubari, who at the age of seventeen is wild enough to be Oren's fucking bodyguard. And Johnny Moe, the head general of the crazy 88, who's played by Gordon Liu, because Quentin got some straight up hitters for this movie. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, they show how crazy Gogo is. Uh, she's talking to a pervert who's like, they're at a bar, uh, they're talking about Ferraris. Gogo says Ferraris are Italian trash. And then she looks at this dude with some fucked up teeth and she's like, so do you wanna fuck me? And he starts giggling and laughing. And she's like, don't laugh. Do you want to fuck me? And he's like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So she stabs him in the fucking abdomen and pulls the niggas intestines out. And he's like, now, you want to you, penetrate me.
2: But I penetrated you, then pulls it out, and there's blood everywhere.
0: This uh. embowels the motherfucker. <laughs> oh, it was great. That was when I laughed out loud the first time in the movie. Um, anyways, they're celebrating Oren becoming the boss of all Boston, Tokyo, Japan. One of the leaders of the council, the 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 yakuza uh, boss Tanaka, doesn't like this shit at all because he doesn't like the fact that a Chinese Japanese American woman's running his council. In fact, that,
2: he's that so he mad loves, that he loves more it, than his children,
0: more than his children, that his father and your father and your father put together that I love more than my children. I'm upset because you gave this to a Chinese, oh, I can't even say the slurly, he said, American mm-hmm. bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and before he finishes the sentence, let's just say he lost his head over the shit because Oren ran across that table and took his head off so fucking smooth. I was fucking stunned. Like, all you heard was a pitter-patter of little feet. And she literally got up hopped up on the table, ran across the table all the way to the end, took her sword, and took his head off so quickly that his eyes, it took me a moment to realize this, his eyes are looking up because he was looking up at her in fear as she took his head off. And then a geyser of blood just comes out of his neck in three different spots. <laughs> and Gogo and Sophie are smiling. And then she This is so
2: fucking dope. And then she gives the absolute greatest speech
0: ever given. She tells, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to tell y'all in English so y'all don't fucking misunderstand me. And then she does shit that a manager should do. <laughs> <clears throat> so she looks all stern and shit after she cuts the dude's head off. She looks real upset. She's eyeing everybody and shit. And then she's like, as your leader. I encourage you from time to time and always in a respectful manner to question my logic. If you're unconvinced that a particular plan of action I've decided is the wisest, tell me so. But allow me to convince you and I promise you right here and now, no subject will ever be taboo. Except, of course, the subject that was just under discussion. The price you pay for bringing up either my Chinese or American heritage as a ne- as a negative is, I collect your fucking head. Just like this fucker here. Now, if any of you sons of bitches have anything else to say, now's the fucking time. They wisely don't say shit, so she adjourns the meeting.
2: She uh, then she spoke right, then she. Splashes blood on one of the bosses.
0: Yep, oh. she will never be bothered again. <laughs> she did exactly what needed to be done as a boss to make sure that nobody ever tries her again at that table. <sighs> blood was spurting out of his neck like Samurai Showdown and shit.
1: Yo, that shit was like a geyser. Right. I wonder and if then, that fake then, blood and, really got over all all over everybody that's in the acting. I'm like, man, that's gotta be uncomfortable. Get all that sticky water with food coloring all over you. <laughs> <laughs> and then
2: it like slowly starts spurting out. Like it doesn't it doesn't stay as the geyser, it just slowly like it just dies.
0: Uh, it was greatness. So The next thing that happens is that uh, Beatrice has her sword, so she gets a one-way ticket to Tokyo, please. Somebody should have noticed by now that she's murdering people, that she murdered two people in America, and now she's in Tokyo. Nobody does that. They didn't have that in 2003. Wait, this is after (laughs) (laughs) 9-11. No,
2: no, no, no.
0: So they should have a fucking—you should be able to log in and see what the fuck people have done.
2: I'm almost positive it was set in a different time than, than 2003.
0: I'm almost certain it was. But I mean, those motorcycles and shit made me wonder. Yeah. Um, Do you know, while she's flying into Tokyo, they show O-Ren and the Crazy 88 riding down the middle of the fucking highway. <laughs> like, literally taking up two lanes of a highway uh, to go to this club. Do you know how much of a boss you have to be to take up both lanes of a of traffic just to go to the club. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Um, The plane, the, the picture of the plane landing over Tokyo is a fake picture, but it's so fucking beautiful. And it's actually a sign to just how much beautiful this movie is about to get from here on out. Um, The music gets fucking amazing too. Beatrice uh, hops out the airplane, gets a motorcycle gets a yellow jumpsuit like Bruce Lee and a yellow helmet. I don't know how much money she makes off assassinating, but it is good money. Um, I don't know how she got it, because if she tried to go to the bank, they should have saw that she murdered two people, but I'm sorry, that's not really Um, (laughs) She pulls up at the stoplight, and Sophie is in the car next to her. And she looks over and sees Sophie, and she flashes back to... Uh, when Sophie was talking on the phone while she was getting her ass whooped at the wedding. And she speeds off against the red light through traffic. I don't know how Sophie didn't see that, but it didn't matter. That leads me to the next question that I had. How the fuck did Beatrice make it to the club before Oren, the crazy 88, and Sophie did? How'd she know where they were going? Because when they do the slow motion, the dope-ass slow motion scene with Oren and the Crazy 88 and Go-Go walking down the hallway and everything, you know, with the na, na, music playing in the background, they show that Beatrice is already sitting at the bar when they come in. How'd she know where they were going to be at?
2: I never that was one of the questions I've never
0: asked. I, I me either until until yesterday when I saw that I was like, wait, why is she already sitting there? And then she gets up and goes into the bathroom and starts to change her clothes and everything. And then uh, Sophie, well, no. Um, before that happens, they walk upstairs to their private room, and that's when we see the Beatrice is already there. Beatrice goes upstairs behind them after they close the door. And Oren can clearly sense evil, which is good. As an assassin, you can always sense when somebody's near you. And this motherfucker throws a dart over her shoulder that flies straight and true, and right past Beatrice's face, and sticks into a, a wood uh, a wood support beam. Oren then sends Gogo outside to take the uh, to to check out the situation and to get her fucking dart back because that shit looked expensive. And when she gets out there, there's nobody to be seen. Why is there nobody to be seen? Because somehow Beatrice is fucking levitated ten feet up to the rafters of the goddamn ceiling, and is hiding out in the rafters. Nobody on the bottom floor looked up and saw this white woman jumping up into the rafters. Nobody in the in the in the private room could hear her jump up into the rafters. She just in the time that Oren throws the dart. Says go go because it's like maybe five seconds between her throwing the dart and her saying go go and go go goes out there to look to see what's going on. Beatrice is in the rafters. That's another superpower. How the fuck did that happen? So after Gogo gets the knife back, um, Beatrice realizes that her near-death experience made her have to go change clothes, I guess. So she goes to the restroom. <laughs> While she's in the restroom, the owners are talking about how they don't want to end up like the Tanaka clan. So they better do whatever stupid thing the 88 asked for. And Sophie goes to the bathroom. And when she's washing her hands, her phone rings. Beatrice recognizes the ringtone and her alarm goes off because it's go time. One of the members of the Crazy 88 tell the male owner of the club that he looks like Charlie Brown. And I got to say, the motherfucker brought that shit upon himself because he's wearing a bright yellow kimono with the Charlie Brown squiggle on the fucking stash. Like, you had to know what you were doing when you bought that shit. He did kind of look, Brown... look like Charlie Brown. But he was wearing Charlie Brown's outfit. If Charlie Brown was made in Japan, that would have been Charlie Brown's outfit to a fucking T. That squiggle thing is the thing that's on Charlie Brown's shirt. They did that on purpose. Somebody fucked him up in the store. They were just like, yo, that shit is, that shit is real dope, man. Nobody warned him about that shit. And the motherfucker looked at it. His wife looked at it. He clearly thought it was fashionable until somebody was like, you know who you look like? Charlie Brown Char. shot.
2: <laughs> then the little girl was like, Charlie Brown, give me a kiss.
0: Charlie Brown, give me some pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> we don't make pizzas here. Well, get them, goddammit. And slams, then.
2: Slams the sword on the table.
0: And then he was going to get the pizzas too. While they're making fun of Charlie, all you hear is Orenishi E. Twice shy China. Orenishi E. You and I have unfinished business. I tell you what, it sounds so much fucking more beautiful in Japanese. The crazy 88 come out to see Beatrice and Sophie. Beatrice has Sophie's arm, have Sophie standing with her arm supporting one of the support beams. Her arm is against the support beam. And Beatrice is hiding behind her. She comes out and she takes Sophie's arm off. Everybody runs out the fucking club screaming. They're all alive. The club was full. Everybody runs out, including the performers, the one, two, three, fours, so who are probably pretty well known. They all run out the club because they just saw a white woman cut a Japanese woman's arm off.
2: And that band was jamming the entire They round. were grooving. <laughs> Woo-hoo, <woo-hoo-hoo. laughs> that whole that whole thing. Every song they played was going. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and nobody out of this whole group, nobody calls the fucking police on a random white woman who was last seen mutilating a Japanese woman. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Oren at this point in time, calls out Beatrice's name. For some reason, for the whole first movie, they bleep out her name, but I'm not gonna do that shit. If y'all haven't seen this movie, why the f- like seriously, what's wrong with you? I talked to a 17-year-old yesterday, like three of them, because I went to one of my kids from um basketball's graduation party, and none of them had ever seen kill Bill, but they're like 17. Like, what the fuck is your excuse? Anyhow, Oren tells Charlie Brown to go home, but she doesn't tell his wife to go home. And Charlie left his wife in the dust. <laughs> she then sends Mickey to go fight Beatrice, and he loses. In fact, Long story short, all the members who were there, there's like 10 of them. 10 out of the 88. All the members who are there lose, including Gogo. Gogo actually was whooping Beatrice's ass.
2: Did you have you ever noticed when she flips Gogo through the table and she falls on the table it, it has a bowling pin sound, like a background of bowling pins getting knocked yes. over? Uh, mhm enjoy that yeah.
0: gogo knew she was going to whoop beatrice's ass too that's the crazy part because beatrice begged gogo to walk away i know you i know you want to protect your mistress but i'm begging you please walk away gogo who's 17 gave that little kid giggle and was like <laughs> you call that begging you can beg better than that <laughs> like that's literally I mean I know that it was done in a different language but the tonal change between you call that begging and you can beg better than that same thing so Gogo was whooping her ass and should have killed her but Beatrice got lucky and there was a piece of wood with a nail sticking out of it on the floor when uh, Gogo was choking her to fuck out with her ball and chain with with a fucking razor Stuck in it. Gogo was dope. And so she picked up the piece of wood with a nail sticking out of it and she uh, slammed it in Gogo's white skippy and then stabbed her in the head with it. That shit hit uh, O-Ren hard.
2: She looked at the, she looked at the knife and just was super sad about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Other than that hiccup, uh, Beatrice is out there stabbing people and lifting them in the air by the sword and shit. But there's only like ten people there, which means there's at least seventy-eight people left. So when the rest of the eighty-eight a- arrive, we shouldn't be surprised. Doesn't fucking matter though, because this white lady fucking
1: murders all of them. All of them destroys them, obliterates them. on all simple be- on the ground, in the air, with swords, with other <laughs> shit, like just just in every possible way. She's a five-tool murderer. The shit the way that she was killing these motherfuckers
0: looks like it looks like when you are playing Streets of Rage. Yeah, and you level your character up to level ten and then you go back to the first level.
1: No, I'ma tell you what it was. What it was was that clip from um from 2001 WWE during the invasion when WCW and ECW in the ring beating everyone's ass. And then Stone awesome. Cold comes down and gives like 27 stunners and clears the entire <laughs> ring. That's what, that's what she did. Which actually
0: works for the question that I have, which is that she was outnumbered at all times by a huge ratio. And, and it's not even a question. It's just a note for y'all to take. At one point, she sits on the ground with two swords – And instead of all of them just jumping on her and dogpiling her and trying to stab somebody underneath them, they just allow her to roll around like she's doing a fucking windmill from breaking and slice all the people closest to her legs off. (laughs) But I got to be honest with you, it's a blood spurting, eyeball plucking ocean of greatness. And, And it's so fucking dope that they made it go to black and white because they couldn't allow all the red, all the blood that was everywhere. And it was that, glorious when I saw it in the theater, and it's glorious now.
2: But that eye, that eye fucking was like, if you get to Kill Bill two, that is great foreshadowing for exactly for what she was
0: taught. Mm-hmm. And somebody else wasn't taught until it was too late. Not gonna spoil shit. Um, in the midst of all of this, she also levitates. Like, somehow she levitates and jumps up from the ground floor up to the fucking balcony. And then everybody has to run up this or from the ground floor to a piece of flag, like she lands on a flagpole. And then she jumps onto the balcony, and so everybody has to run up and fight her up there. She does super agile stuff and super flips in the whole nine yards. Like, it's dope, but it's like, you're, you're kidding me, right?
2: But that was, already, that was already foretold also by her doing the magic before Go-Go ran out and caught her. True. True.
0: I mean, though, her Hattori Hanzo sword cuts other people's swords into pieces. There's a lovely scene that happens where she's fighting in the dark against seven of the 88 in the room. And Charlie Brown's wife turns off the lights. Why she did that, I don't I don't know. Maybe she was just like, yo, it's all of us against this American woman, which I understand. I mean, she probably just killed half her clientele. So anyways, they're in a room that should be pitch black, but instead the room goes blue and black and they're all silhouettes in this room. And it's such a beautiful scene. Um, and she flips around and fights and mutilate six of the seven people who are in the room with her. And then she cuts the sword off she cuts the sword apart of the last person and just whips his ass and it turns out he's a little kid. Then she gets pulled out of that room by Johnny Mo. Uh, and they have this dope ass battle on the railing of the second floor, uh, which should have lasted longer because he's spinning on the railing and all this kind of shit. And I, I feel like that was all real. Like, he did that with no uh, stunts, no nothing, just him spinning on that balcony, and that was dope as shit. And then she cut his fucking leg off, and he fell into a pool of blood and died. And then she surveys her carnage, which is everybody laying on the floor with limbs cut off, and she starts talking shit again. Those of you lucky enough to have your lives, take them with you. However, leave the limbs you lost. They belong to me now. And everybody starts to uh, leave, but she tells Sophie, don't you fucking move. (laughs) I got plans for you. And Charlie Brown's wife is sliding through her blood and shit looking at her business. If I was her, I'd go home and divorce Charlie like the next day. (laughs) During this whole scene, Oren has walked into the back of the, the club. You know how when you go to the club, there's like a patio or something like that. Most places have a patio that's like maybe four feet by three feet, four feet wide by three feet long, and everybody's crowded up back there smoking cigarettes and shit and trying to holler at one girl, and it's, it's chaos. This club's not like that. She opens up the back door into a literal winter wonderland. I don't know if they won an award for this but they should have yeah. because the the the, the scene this the, this final scene i wish i could show y'all pictures on this uh on this fucking on on i'll, I'll just make it the 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 title picture for the show it's so fucking beautiful I wish I could drink that scene up. Like, it's just so... And I'm not even talking about the fight that happened. I'm just talking about the scenery itself.
2: From everything... hmm? How did it start snowing so fast?
0: That's a good question. It went from (laughs) sunny to snowing. But I'm okay with that. I mean, I shouldn't be. You're absolutely right. How the fuck did it start snowing? How did did it start snowing?
2: She was just on a motorcycle. On the street, driving, and it was clean. No snow. No snow. And they all just rushed in there with driving cars and going super fast. Nobody skidded out, no brakes, nothing. But then right when they get to that scene, there's snow.
0: And hella snow. Like, it's enough that when Oren takes off her shoes later on, her feet are, like, crunching through piles of snow. It's a good question. (laughs) And I mean, also, was it real snow or was it just how they had that that backyard set up? Because ain't no nigga going to take their shoes off to walk through the snow barefoot in a fight. Bitch, if I'm taking my shoes off, you take your shoes off too.
1: It's cold out here. (laughs) Look, maybe You know, like on dodgeball, when he put the blindfold on in that last battle? (laughs) I thought you were gonna sound like Billy Ho and White Men Can't Jump. I'm in the zone. You get yourself in the zone, man. You put that blindfold on and you, you get them you set them up. But seriously,
0: the sound of the water pitching, the water pitcher filling up and emptying over and over again, the gentle snow falling, the choice to have both O Renishi E. And Beatrice, who can both speak English, speak Japanese through this whole scene. Every time I watch that scene, I just notice something different. And yeah, now that now that now that Germans fucking ruined it for me, <laughs> it'll never have that same allure. But it's a beautiful last scene. I think Quentin was just like, "Yo, here's what we're doing. Don't ask questions." <laughs>
2: Can't we're Keino going for it. it. Can movies mostly don't make sense, but
0: exactly, which sense. is why when we talk about the next one, we were talking about. I have a ton of questions. So, uh, Oren starts talking to um, starts talking to Beatrice, yeah. and she's like, "Yo, your instrument is quite impressive." Which I've heard that before. <laughs> your instrument yeah. is quite impressive. Where was it made? And uh Beatrice says Okinawa. And then they start talking in Japanese. Oren says, Whom in Okinawa made you this deal? And Beatrice says, Hatori Hanzo. And so Oren scared. sounded so insulted.
2: But she says so
0: scared. You lie. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Oren said, uh then Beatrice shows her the the marking. Nigga, where you get them shoes from? Man, I got them from this place down on floor, friend. <laughs> you lie. Look right here. Huh, I got you. Huh. That was a conversation. But Oren's like, you know what? Sores don't get tired. I hope you saved your energy. And she just finished fighting against at least 88 crazy people. Oren's like, if you haven't saved your energy, you may not last five minutes. But as last looks can go, you could do worse. Crazy thing about it, dear listener, she says that they won't that uh Beatrice won't last five minutes. And she's right. From the moment she says that, the fight lasts for exactly four minutes and fifty-nine seconds.
2: I never knew that.
0: Fam. <laughs> From the moment she says that they start fighting and they'll last four minutes and fifty-nine seconds. Oh. A good touch. You right? It's the little thing. <laughs> you think O Ren is gonna o win, and she starts talking shit because she cuts her in the back. And so she's like, silly Caucasian girl wants to play with samurai swords, which really should have been on the uh, on the poster for this movie. <laughs> but it's not silly Caucasian girl wants to play with samurai swords. If you can't fight like a samurai. At least you can die like a samurai. Now, I didn't pick this up until today, literally today. She puts the sword on her shoulder and looks over her shoulder at Beatrice. She's fucking waiting for Beatrice to stand up and run full on into her sword. That's called harakiri. Mm
2: -hmm. Kill yourself.
0: (laughs) Ritual suicide by disembowel. No, not killing yourself. Well, kinda. Ritual suicide by disembowelment with a sword. It's formerly practiced in formerly practiced in Japan by samurais as an honorable alternative to to disgrace or execution. I'm gonna put this sword on my shoulder. Run into it. Give up. <laughs> kill yourself, like you said. Yeah, kill yourself. I never noticed that until today. I just thought she was posing. But nope, Beatrice gets back up because I mean it was just it was a deep cut to the back, but it was still just a deep cut to the back. So Beatrice gets back up and um then she says, attack me with everything you have, which is the equivalent of Rocky saying to fucking um Ivan Drago, hit me
1: again, harder <laughs>
0: <laughs> And um she gets a hit on Oren right around the lower leg, which shouldn't have done shit. But I mean, Oren ap- at that point apologized for talking shit. Like, it wasn't nice for me to say, You're a silly Caucasian girl playing with swords. Are you Caucasian? I mean, you are silly and you are playing with swords, but are you Caucasian? Like, seriously, like, where are you from? Where are you? Are you? Oh, you're French? Oh, silly French girl. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 My bad. My bad. Are we good now? Cool. All right. No more catching your breath. So, um, they run at each other. After she apologizes, they run at each other on separate sides of a fence. And Beatrice takes Oren's top off like she literally scalps her. And as she dies, Oren says, "That was a Hotori hanzo." <laughs> and she dies and then she cro- and then Beatrice crosses her name off the list you just made the list um, then she rolls Sophie's ass down the hill to the hospital and dips out Bill comes to see Sophie and consoles her and she's like please forgive me uh, Beatrice threatened to cut off other limbs until I told her where she could find you, Bill forgave her and asked her if Beatrice knows if her daughter's still alive. And the movie ends. But wait, 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 wait. Before we even get into the MVPs, wait, wait. After she gets them murdering all these people, after she gets them murdering Oren, after she gets them mutilating Sophie, she hops back on a plane, flies back to Texas. Gets back into the pussy wagon, drives to Pasadena,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and goes and kills the good Sophie Bell. That means she's crossed state lines after murdering people, which has to be a felony somehow. How is she not on America's Most Wanted?
2: She flew with a sword.
0: If you look on the Well, phone there was another if you if you watch, there's another sword sitting like two aisles over. We don't know who that is. But they just got swords on that plane. <laughs> Somebody was calling in the back, like, I'm sick of all these motherfucking swords on this motherfucking plane. Mm. But how is she not internationally hunted? She murdered Bernita. She talked stone cold Steve Austin levels of shit to her daughter. She murdered Buck and the Pervert. Flies to Tokyo and kills an entire Yakuza clan. And she kept leaving witnesses. Shut a whole
2: restaurant down because it needs cleaning.
0: Right? Can't you see we're fucking closed? <laughs> but, okay, for all that shit that I just said, this movie is still one of my favorite movies of all time. Excellent. And I know that I usually ask Brandon first. I am going to ask you, Brandon, who's the MVP of this movie?
1: Oh, I mean, Uma Thurman did such a great, much better than I would have expected her at that point in her career to do an action movie on this level. So I got to give her credit. I always say Charlize Theron was the best white woman actress. And, you know, but, you know, this film is probably the best white woman action film there's ever been. Probably better than any white man action film there's ever been.
2: Yeah. German, who you got? Bill. You see him, you hear him three times. The beginning, or you hear him in the beginning, you hear him when he talks to L, and you hear him at the end talking to Sophie. And it's not, it's just a mysterious figure that is just hanging over the story. You hear Kill Bill and you never see this person that she is trying to kill. You only hear this voice. And mm-hmm. with that and with that voice comes so like there's so much power behind it because he has now shot this woman in the head. He has stopped Elle from killing her and he has told Sophie, "Do you know this did you tell her her daughter was alive?" <laughs>
0: That's the best way to end the movie. I was just like, "Oh shit," when I saw
2: that in the movie theater. 100%. And that's like I think it was I think it was, I think that one was Bill. If you if know. I'm here if if I'm here for 2, I'll, ex, I'll go expound into why it's not Bill and 2, but
0: you know what? I will definitely you're definitely there. I got you cuz we're doing that one uh soon. But <laughs> here's mine. Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Quentin knocked it out the park. He wrote the movie. So all of those bang out quotables are him. The scenery is him. You can say a lot of things about this movie, but it's 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 he chose the music. He chose to have the residue, uh some of the music, like the crane music. Mm-hmm. Boom but um bum boom but bum 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 wow like he had him do that shit. They put uh, the Green Hornet theme song into this. Like, everything just popped.
2: The, the, what's the, it's the Hughes Brothers at the beginning? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that at the beginning before the film starts. Like, this whole movie
0: is just such a delight. And this was literally the first Quentin Tarantino movie I saw where I was just like, I'm a fan of his forever. And I gotta see the next movie now. So I give it to Quentin. If it had to be somebody who was in the movie, honestly, I can't. I can't say Lucy Lou because half of her storyline was anime.
2: <laughs> but it was great anime, though.
0: It was. <laughs> and again, that's that's Quentin's vision. So I'm gonna have to go with Quentin Tarantino overall. Stamp
2: it. Gotcha.
0: So, uh, German, you got anything that you want to tell folks about anything coming up? Anything of that nature?
2: Uh, No, I have nothing. I'm about to start going to wrestling again. So
1: That's
2: dope. That's coming. I, I think I'm probably going to Money in the Bank. I'm going to. Ooh. Oh, you went work? Yep.
0: <laughs> Y'all should meet up and get a picture. I'm jealous. I live in Dallas, in Fort
2: Worth. Oh, did you go to Mania? Did you go to Mania
1: 32? No, I just moved to Dallas. I went to Mania oh. the two years prior. I went to New Orleans and Orlando. I went to I went to Royal Rumble in Houston in 2020. I did too. I was there. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to... I went did to y'all just Orlando become best it. friends? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the last big event before the pandemic hit. I yeah, and
2: that Houston. was... I went to Houston. I went to that and I went to Worlds Collide the night before.
1: This is
0: wonderful. I didn't go to any <laughs> of them. All the ones that I've been to were in Sacramento, <laughs> and they only brought them here once. The, once the new arena was built, so I've mm-hmm. been to uh, Raw. I've been to SmackDown. I went to No Mercy. I went to a couple more. Of them. We always got good seats. That's one thing. I always have ringside.
2: Yeah, uh, if you look at my. Ringside. Oh, if you look at if you're looking at my Twitter picture, that is from a Raw when. That was the first raw of 2020. So I went to the first raw of 2020, and right when Samoa Joe was coming out, that's like that's me being they they put me on camera.
1: <laughs> yeah, I that right, that's that's dope.
2: Yeah, that's dope
0: as hell. Yeah. yeah, Devin's been on TV like five or six times now because of wrestling. Um, Brandon, you got anything coming up? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you all right now. This is Quentin Tarantino month, and I am – Brandon thinks he's in seventh heaven, but he has no fucking idea. Like, seriously, this is – I feel like this is a Father's Day gift from hindsight to me. (laughs) And I can tell you right now that next week we have uh, Jolene from the It Goes Down the PM podcast with us to talk about from dusk till dawn. It's a dark night.
1: <laughs> I can't wait.
0: The movies this month are from Dust Till Dawn. Well, Kill Bill from Dust Till Dawn. Should we tell him, Brandon, or should we keep it a secret? We
1: showed him last week. So it don't matter.
0: Cool. Kill Bill from Dust Till Dawn. Pulp Fiction, which we're doing with uh, Craig from the Jackrabbit Slim podcast. The nigger movie of the year, Django Unchained. That's my- and then we're closing out with The Hateful Eight. Now, I know y'all didn't hear Kill Bill oh, volume two know, on that. But Pulp
1: Fiction. Pulp Fiction was week three, I heard. Oh,
2: Pulp
0: Fiction's heard? week three. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Like, did you skip that? All right, cool. I thought you got rid of it.
0: Hell no. But we did move Jackie Brown down to the second grouping of Quentin Tarantino movies. Because there's more. There's Jackie Brown. There's Kill Bill Volume Two. There's Inglorious Bastards. Okay. There's Grindhouse. And then there's the one that nobody likes, but everybody likes for some strange reason.
2: Reservoir Dogs.
0: Reservoir Dogs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I didn't Is like that man, movie. Uh, made in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a time yeah. Time in Hollywood. You
0: know, I got to be honest with you, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood didn't do it for me until the very last
1: scene. I liked it, I, but I like um, Brad Pitt.
0: So. I like Brad Pitt too. It just, I don't know. It didn't, it it was the first Quentin movie that just didn't from the beginning to the end pop for me. But then at the end, I was like, okay, that was dope. That last scene made up for everything else to me. Um, But yeah. Thank y'all so much for listening. We greatly do appreciate it. Um, We'll holler at y'all next time. Y'all be good. Peace. Music for hindsight is "Coffee" by Cambo Smith, and it's from the Free Music Archive.
2: This is single simulcast. It's
0: not my intention to do this in front of you. For that, I'm sorry. You can take my word for it.
1: Your mother had it coming. As your leader, I encourage you from time to time and always in a respectful manner to question my logic. If you're unconvinced a particular plan of action I've decided is the wisest, tell me so. But allow me to convince you and I promise you right here and now no subject will ever be taboo. Except, of course, the subject that was just under discussion. The price you pay for bringing up either my Chinese or American heritage as a negative is, I collect your fucking head. Just like this fucker here. Now, if any of you sons of bitches got anything else to say, now's the fucking time! I didn't think so. Let's <laughs> it you do what you have to do to play.
2: Then give me one of these.
1: These are not for sale.
2: <laughs> I didn't say sell me. I said give me. Hi. Go, Dane. Bingo. Sochua Black Mamba. Uwasa ga he toriaru
0: mitai that's so Go, go. I know you feel you must protect your
2: mistress. But I beg you. Walk
1: away. I <laughs>
2: Silly Caucasian girl likes to play with samurai sword.